0: Good morning, Meadows. Once again, I am Drew Barnes, one of the others here. And it is always a privilege and honor to open up the Word with you this morning. A few weeks ago, I mentioned that there are some really exciting things happening at Meadows. And one of those things is this preaching team. Uh, that Mark Barnes, Mark Hoffman, Stuart Patterson, and myself are part of. And it gives us opportunity to meet with one another, um, to walk through passages with one another. And so uh, back at the beginning of November, we walked through many of our passages that we'll be uh, preaching on throughout Advent. Um, And so the beauty of that is we got to work through together through this passage of Matthew chapter one, one through eighteen. Uh, so when I did get the call yesterday, I had already prepared somewhat, um, but I am also thankful to sit with godly men who love the Word, who have inspired me, brought insights, uh, and I 'm able to glean from them and so While some of it is my own notes, I also have borrowed from Stuart as well. Um, So again, I am thankful for this team that we can come together, study the Word of God, prepare to preach the Word of God together. As you uh, have realized, we entered the Christmas season and we, during this season, there's a lot of preparation for Christmas Day. This is one of my favorite seasons. I love all the preparation. It's exciting. We just bought a house, so we're figuring out how do we decorate, how do we string the lights up. I need to borrow a ladder. i got to figure all that out. Um, but we love that. We, there's preparation of what presents. I need to still send out my Christmas list to my parents and in-laws. I'm working on it. (laughs) But then there's, you need to buy presents for others. And so whether, am I going to go into the store? Am I going to order on Amazon? Uh, Then I got to deliver the presents. There's cookies that need to be made. There's meals that have to be prepared. There's figuring out when when are we going to celebrate with what family and when and where. There's a lot of preparation that needs to be done for this one day in the midst of all that preparation, we can get lost and distracted and forget why we come to celebrate Christmas. And I pray for myself, and I hope and I pray that we will take this prayer on that we won't get distracted by the lights, by the presents, but we will be reminded and we'll be preparing For Christmas, the coming of Jesus Christ. And so I'm excited that we get to walk through Matthew 1 and 2 over the next several weeks here. And we're going to start in Matthew chapter 1. And if you have your Bibles, I encourage you to open up to Matthew chapter 1. And if you are there and you quickly start seeing the genealogy of Jesus Christ. Some of you have the thought, maybe, oh, please, let's not read through the whole genealogy. Or maybe, can we just skip this part and get to the action, get to the good stuff? Or maybe there's a few that says, oh, can we just spend a year and preach the genealogy of Jesus Christ? Okay, maybe no one's there. But this is foundational, and it's going to lay a foundation to what's to come. Through this Advent, as we look through Matthew chapters 1 and 2, we have the theme of spoken and fulfilled. Matthew is writing this. He's writing mostly to a Jewish audience who would have a pretty good background on the Old Testament, on the Hebrew Scriptures. And so there's going to be many times where we'll be jumping back to the Old Testament What has already been written, and see how Christ will fulfill. In Matthew chapter 5, he talks about how he has come to fulfill the law. Uh, He says in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus is speaking here Don't think that I come to abolish the law or the prophets, I did not come to abolish, but to fulfill. For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter. Or the one stroke of a letter will pass away from the law until all things are accomplished. Um, We see that Christ has come to fulfill what has been spoken. And this should give us great hope as we prepare for the coming of Jesus Christ. So let us today walk through Matthew 1 1 through 18. For warning, I'm not going to try to pronounce every single name in this list. I'll just embarrass myself. But let us start with Matthew chapter 1, verse 1. An account of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. There's several key things that Matthew, right away in this first verse, is drawing out. First, word that we want to look at an account of the genealogy of Jesus Christ. This idea of genealogy is really meaning Genesis. Genesis, the beginning, may reflect the book of Genesis. And so what Matthew is describing is not this whole book isn't just about the genealogy of Jesus where he came from, but what Matthew is saying is this whole book is about Jesus. It's about his birth, his life, his death, his resurrection. Everything about this book is about Jesus. Period. And so as if you do take time to study his genealogy and you look at and compare Matthew's genealogy with Luke's genealogy, or you look at all these different characters that you meet through Matthew, may we not be completely distracted, but may we see that this book, is about Jesus. And not just this book of Matthew, this whole book from Genesis to Revelation is all about Jesus. It's a glorious thing, and we will continue to unpack that as we see that Jesus is the fulfillment of everything that has already been said. So let's... Move on because Matthew has several other key important things that he wants to bring us to our attention. He says, Jesus Christ. Christ is not his last name, but it is a title. If you have ever had a job, I'm sure you had a title that came with that job. It may be a CEO, it may be a manager, assistant manager, director of sales or communication or HR. But that title in your job describes something about you. It describes what you are supposed to do. It's helpful. So I have a title of golf instructor. Makes it pretty clear that I teach golf. And so if you're coming wanting tennis lessons, I'm not your guy. But if you want to learn how to golf, I could teach golf. And so titles are helpful, they're important. And so Matthew is giving this title, Christ, to Jesus, explaining who he is. He isn't just any Jesus, but he's Jesus Christ. Christ, coming from the Greek Christos, meaning anointed, someone who has set apart for the service and work of God. If we look at the Old Testament, only three types of people are anointed, prophets, priests, and kings. So what Matthew is saying, he's at least one of those. If we put a little bookmark, we'll come and explore that a little bit more, but I want to propose that Christ is all three. He is a prophet, he is priest, and he is a king. And so even within this title of Christ, Matthew is explaining that this is something different. He is a prophet, priest, and king. Well, this Greek word Christos is coming from the Hebrew. And this Hebrew word, Messiah, is meaning one who comes to save. So this prophet, priest, king, Jesus, the Messiah, is the one who is coming to save. What glorious truth that is. And I'm so excited as we will continue throughout Matthew. This is idea is going to be clear. who what, um, Jesus came to save uh, His people from whom and from what. And I won't get into that. I will hold that off for next week. But Jesus has come to save His people. So we already, in these first verse, we see that this book is about Jesus. And we see that Jesus is the Christ. He's the anointed one. He is a prophet, priest, king, and he is the Messiah. He has come to save his people. But the titles don't stop there, for Matthew continues, Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Pause with me. Look down at your Bibles. Take five seconds and just quickly skim through this rest of the genealogy. Real quick from verses 12 through 16. Just take a quick note. Give you five seconds. If you notice, there's no other place where it's sun. Sun up. It's always... Abraham, father of Isaac, Isaac, father of Jacob, Jacob, father of Judah. This pattern continues. So what Matthew is doing is there's something important here. That Jesus is the son of David and the son of Abraham. We're going to look at sonship in a little bit. But again, Matthew is distinguishing that this book is about Jesus. It's not about Abraham. It's not about David. It's not about any of these other characters that we meet in the genealogy. It's all about Jesus. There's something different about this Jesus. So we see Jesus, son of David, son of Abraham. These titles which have been spoken and past are now being fulfilled these titles bring promise promise of hope at this time the audience of jesus they were preparing for the messiah just as we are wanting to prepare for the coming as we prepare for christmas there's groups of people preparing for the messiah And so we see that we have groups like the Pharisees, who thought that if I, or if we as Jewish Israel, become holy and cleanse ourselves, then the Messiah will come. We have groups like the Zealots, who if we overthrow the government and we claim back our land, the Messiah will come. We have people like the Scribes, groups like the Scribes, if we Write out the law and study the law, then the Messiah will come. And these people are proclaiming and preparing for the Messiah. And these titles, the son of David, the son of Abraham, are promises of fulfillment that they're waiting for. And so, as we too prepare and wait, may we also take these titles know them that they are fulfillment of hope. Let's look now closely first at the son of David. Jesus Christ, the son of David. David, the son, he was the son of Jesse. He was born, had many brothers. He was the youngest. Samuel, a prophet, anointed by God, said, go into Jesse's house, for there is going to be the next king of Israel there. And so Samuel searches. He goes through each brother and God says, "Mm, not that one. Not that one. Nope. And sure enough, he gets through all the brothers and he asks Jesse, hey, do you have any more sons? And he says, oh yes. There's one who's out taking care of the sheep. So they get him, bring him in, and God says, yes. This son, David, he's going to be king. Why? Because he was a man after God's own heart. So David was anointed king. There's that word again, anointed, just as Christ is anointed one. David was also anointed, and it took about 15 years before he actually took the throne of Israel. While there's more details that can be said about who David was, that gives you hopefully some idea and refresher of who David was, that he is king of Israel, and if we get to Second Samuel chapter 7, God makes a covenant with David. God has made several covenants that we'll look at. This idea that there is an oath a bond between God and his people. And this is the covenant that God made to David in Matthew or sorry 2nd Samuel chapter 7 verse 16. It says this, God speaking to David, your house and kingdom will endure before me forever. Your throne will be established forever. This is a promise, a covenant made by God to David that His throne, His kingdom, will endure and be established forever. So now we get to Jesus, the Son of God. Of David. This promise made from God to David is now being fulfilled in Jesus Christ, the anointed one, the king. So we see that Matthew is declaring that this is the king to come, this is the one who will sit on the throne of David forever and ever. Oh, what glorious news this is! One of the questions that Matthew proposes is then who will be a part of this kingdom? Will it just be Israel? Will it just be Jews? If you look at the genealogy, it's quite messy actually. We see there's several women here that Matthew lists, and each one of them are not Jewish, but they're Gentiles. If you look at these characters and you explore more who they are, you will quickly see that these are sinful people. So we have sinners in his genealogy, and we have Gentiles in his genealogy. And what Matthew is portraying and he's setting up is that Christ, the King, is not just going to be king of Israel, but he's going to be king of this world. And so he is king over both Jews and Gentiles. Oh, what glorious news that is. It's interesting, too. This is a different type of king. Think about the game of chess. I like to think that I like to dabble in chess every once in a while, then I realize I'm not good at all. Once I put the computer up to level two, even level one, I have trouble. But the one thing I do know about chess is at all costs, you want to protect the king. You want to make sure that your opponent is not going to get your king. You're protecting your king. And we see this not just in the game of chess, but in real life, our president has secret service. There's protocols. There's things in place to protect him. How often do we see our president go out to war, go on the battlefield? He is not doing that, but he's being protected. But yet, Jesus is a different type of king. For he says in Mark chapter 10, verse 45. I've not come to be served, but to serve. I've come to give my life as a ransom for many. You see, this king, Jesus, did not come to seek protection from us, to sit up on his throne and for us to serve him. He came to sacrifice his own life, to be crucified on a cross for us to be resurrected and raised again. This king went to battle on our behalf. This king was on the front lines, willing to defend us at all costs. He's a good king who desperately loves us, willing to fight for us. And this is the king that which was spoken of all the way back in the Old Testament, as God told David, your throne will be established forever and ever. And we're starting to see in Matthew, even in the verse, verse of Matthew, that this fulfillment, which was already spoken, is being fulfilled. Oh, what glorious hope that we see that Jesus Christ, who is the anointed one, a prophet, priest, king, the one who has come to save, is also the son of David. He is... The king. Doesn't end there though. He gives another title, the son of Abraham. Again, quick refresher, Abraham. No one really knew who Abraham was until Genesis chapter twelve. Abraham was not seeking after God, he was not trying to find him, but God called Abraham. And in Genesis chapter 12, God establishes another covenant with Abraham. This is before David. This was the promise to Abraham. If we look at Genesis chapter 12, here he is called Abram. Later, he will be his, God will change his name to Abraham. We're talking about the same person. The Lord, Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, The Lord said to Abram, Go from your land, your relatives, and your father's house to land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse anyone who treats you with contempt, and all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So, covenant, God is making with Abraham. You'll have blessings of a land. Your descendants will be a great nation. And you will be a blessing for all the other nations. We get to the close of the Old Testament. Israel is in their land. There are, Israel is a great nation. And so then the question is left open how are they going to be a blessing to the other nations? And this is, again, a question that Matthew is addressing. That blessing comes through the lineage of Abraham, as we see in chapter, or verse 2 of Matthew chapter 1, Abraham is the first person mentioned, who's father of Isaac, and so Jesus comes through this lineage of Abraham, lineage of David, as a promise and fulfillment of what's to come, for he is going to be the blessing for all nations. Paul writes this in Galatians chapter 3, verse 16. He writes this Now the promise was spoken to Abraham and to his seed. He does not say into seeds as through referring to many, but referring to one, into your seed who is. Christ Jesus Christ the anointed one prophet priest and king who's come to save is a blessing to the whole world and he is not just the Messiah for the Jews but he is the Messiah for the sinners he saves both Jews and Gentiles so that we can gather and we could glorify and worship Him forever and ever. What glorious news this is. So we have in this first verse the opening of Matthew, an account of the genealogy. This book, again, is all about Jesus. The genealogy of Jesus Christ, the anointed one, Prophet, priest, king, the son of David, he is the king, the fulfilled, who fulfilled promise of what has already been spoken. He is the son of Abraham, this promise, this blessing for all nations. Again, if we skim through verses 2 through 15, we get this pattern, Abraham, father of Isaac, Isaac, father of Jacob, and so forth. This is repeated 41 times, but then we come to verse 16. In verse 16, the pattern changes. And Jacob, Father Joseph, the husband of Mary, who gave birth to Jesus, who was called the Messiah. If Matthew was continuing his pattern, it should have been Jacob, Father Joseph, who fathered Jesus, who was called the Messiah. But he changes the pattern, and if We are studying our Bibles, and you see a pattern going forth, and all of a sudden it's broken. Matthew is drawing our attention to something. And so he's bringing something out here. He's seeing that Joseph, the husband of Mary, and it's Mary who gave birth to Jesus, declaring that Joseph is Jesus' adopted father. And this idea of adoption is important to Jesus. So, Jesus was adopted by Joseph. And we will get to that next week And looking more at the birth of Jesus um, through the rest of this chapter. But also, it's important, this idea of adoption, because it's what God has done to His children, that He has adopted us. If we look again at Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 through 6, Paul writes this, when the time came to completion, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law so that we might receive adoptions as sons because you are sons, God sent in Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. See, God sent, this idea sent is someone, sending someone on a mission. God sent Jesus on a mission. That mission, we see in verse 5 of Galatians 4, 5, was to redeem those under the law. So, Jesus Christ, the anointed one, who is prophet, priest, king, son of David, son of Abraham, has come to redeem those under the law. And then Paul gives a purpose statement. This purpose statement so that we might be received, or we might receive adoptions as sons and daughters. See, Jesus came to save us from our sins for the purpose to be adopted in the family of God. So that we can have relationship with God forever and ever. Prior to Advent, we were in this series of union with Christ that we have relationship with Christ and I hope as we continue looking and going through Matthew, we are understanding who we are in relationship to this Christ as we see that He is a prophet, He is the priest, He is a king, He is the son of David, son of Abraham, He is the Messiah, that we are also then adopted as sons and daughters and this King who has come to adopt us to not sit back on his throne wanting us to serve him, but he came to serve us and give his life as a ransom for many. So as we prepare for Christmas, may we prepare knowing that Jesus Christ, the King, he has come to redeem us from under the law so that we might receive, be adopted as sons and daughters. In Stewart's notes, he had this illustration. I think it fits so well. I'm just going to read it off. He says, eighteen years ago, my friend Andy and his wife traveled to South America to complete their adoption of a little girl. At that time, this country was gripped by corruption, violence, and political chaos. After Andy arrived, they, that is, anyone who could profit from Andy's Uh, plight, kept upping the price for the adoption. When he finally threatened to take the manor to the U.S. consulate, a mysterious figure confronted Andy, warning him of a vague but dreadful consequence. It was like a spy thriller, except it was Andy who was caught in the middle of some sinister, dangerous plot. But he refused to leave without his daughter. The odd thing was that Andy had never even met this girl. She was small and helpless. She hadn't won any awards or aced any tests. He didn't know that one day her smile would light up their living room or that she loved their cats and dogs or that she would play Mozart pieces on the family piano. For all practical purposes, she was just an orphan condemned to a life of grinding poverty in a far-flung developing country but for some crazy reason, Andy stayed there, negotiating with corrupt officials, spending oodles of money, squandering time, and even risking his life to find and win this little girl. Now, 18 years later, Andy was telling me about an intimate high school graduation party for Maria, his adopted daughter. At one point during the meal, Maria unexpectedly stood up and gave a beautiful speech, thanking everyone who has helped her find a better life on Long Island. As Andy told me the story, he was trying to fight back tears. I got the impression that he could have lived a hundred year, more years or even a hundred lifetimes and nothing would compare to hearing Maria's spontaneous thank you. And it all started when Andy walked into a dangerous nightmare, an attempt to bring her home. When he finished telling me the story, it struck me that Andy, my non-Christian friend, had discovered the heart of the gospel, God's loving, daring, persistent pursuit of people like you and me. Like Maria, there's nothing we can do to earn God's love, but he still loves us, and he doesn't want to leave us behind. Instead, in the presence of Jesus God walked into the dangerous nightmare of human sin and pain in order to save us and bring us back home. That is what exactly what Jesus Christ, the anointed one, who is the prophet, priest, king, who has come to save, who is the king, who is the son of David, the son of Abraham, the Messiah. He has come to adopt us sons and daughters. And so I pray that this Christmas season, that we won't get distracted with all the hustle and bustle. We won't get distracted by the presents or the cookies or the lights. But we be preparing, be ready, knowing that He has come to adopt us as sons and daughters. Let us pray. Oh God, what a wonderful time it is that we can come and remember the reason why you sent your son Jesus. Father, I do pray that we won't be distracted by the holiday season, but may our affections grow for you, may our love grow for you, May we continue to understand who we are in Christ. May we continue to understand and grow in our knowledge of Christ, knowing that we are adopted as sons and daughters, so that one day we will enter into glory where Jesus Christ sits on the throne forever and ever. Amen.